The Laughter Permitted Podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right. Well, hello there. Welcome to Laughter Permitted. I'm Julie Foudy, and this is Lynn Olzawi. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Julie. Are you ready to huddle? Let's huddle up. Bring it. Uh, so good. Our guest is Capital J journalist and very important author, Brooke Baldwin. We are so pumped for Brooke because she just came out with her first book, and it's called Huddle, How Women Unlock Their Collective Power, and it is so damn good. So good, you need to go get it right now and go read it, seriously. It is a great read. It's the type of book that you read and want to share with people that you know. And I even sent some copies to friends of mine. Good. I'm going to do the same. And in our conversation with Brooke, we learn about the concept of a huddle and why it's so important for women. And a little bit of background on Brooke. She's been doing this journalism gig for more than 20 years. And many of you know her as the anchor of CNN Newsroom with Brooke Baldwin. And in these past five years of lovely news. I don't know how she got through it, honestly. She said she became acutely aware of the power harnessed when women come together, when they, in fact, huddle. And if you don't know this about me already, I am so damn here for women huddling because the world changes when women huddle. So get comfortable listening. It's Brooke Baldwin. Hey there, Dope Village. As y'all know, Ally has backed Laughter Permitted since day one of our podcast as our financial ally. And honestly, Lynn, I might just tattoo Ally on my forehead. And Ally is currently on a mission to change the game for women sports. And get this, along with being sponsors of the National Women's Soccer League, Atlantic Coast Conference, United States Golf Association, and the Las Vegas Aces, Ally has committed to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And you, my friends, can be part of the change by watching your favorite athletes crush it on TV, by going to women's sporting events in person, by, I don't know, maybe listening to every single episode of this amazing podcast on trailblazing women. Because every time you show up for women's sports, you are helping move the game forward. You can learn more about Ally by visiting ally.com. Hey there, Dope Village. Lynn and I have been involved in women's sports our entire lives. And truly, we've never been more excited for what's to come in this women's sports space. And one big reason, Ally. Ally has made a commitment to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And that means more money going to women's sports and more visibility for what these incredible athletes are accomplishing. Ally is on a mission to change the game for women's sports. So here at Laughter Permitted, we're going to keep telling the stories of trailblazing women. And every time you listen in, you are part of that change. To learn more about Ally, go to ally.com.
<laughs> yes. What's up, dude? The book is over your left shoulder. That's so. Like a Thanks, chip. man. It's so uh, cute. Lynn, nice to meet you. I'm Brooke. Hey, Brooke. Look at that mic. Oh my Bring gosh. it in. Hello. Hello. <laughs> A little dirty looking like oh, hello. we've seen worse and bigger <laughs> i'm like do i need to sit this close i'm i am new to the podcast game y'all are like you know season five experts but like do i need to can i be am i okay like this that's a good question where you started wherever you were to begin with sounded good hello okay summer <laughs> loving had me is that, Mike, a little preview of a potential Brooke podcast on the horizon? I don't know. Let's see how I do. Let's, Let's go, I do. sister. I know. I know. I I feel like it could be something, but I don't know. Maybe. I mean, y'all, I like, literally don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I, I have like some <laughs> thoughts, but I genuinely am not like, peace out, CNN. I'm going to go do this other thing. Like, I really don't know, but I know I have to switch it up. I got to do the backflip off the high dive, you know? Yeah. You're going to like the podcast world because you can actually talk. Yeah. It's not, yeah. I, I noticed that in your book where you were like, it's so nice to oh be God, able to have the conversations. Deep end. It's the right? deep end of storytelling. I'm like, mm. oh, okay. It, Cause like in, in live TV, it's all I've known. And I mean, you would think like I've had a two hour show, like who has a two hour show for a decade, yeah. but I'm like craving real long conversation in a way that yeah. I'm just not allowed to do. Can I just say when you all sent the book ahead of time, I had to restrain myself from texting you like all the time because I was like, this is so good. Oh, Uh, and then this, uh, and then this. And I tell Lynn, I was like, oh my God, have you gotten to this part yet? Have you gotten to this uh, part yet? Seriously? Yes. Oh, it's a book that you have to read it with either whatever your um, go-to tool is. If it's a pen, if it's a highlighter, if it's a ruler and a pen, you have to read it with that. It's that type of book. Wow. Wow. Huge compliment. I've just like, I've been so like head down that I'm just like, please, dear God, let people read this. Like, I just have no sense of, you know, when you're just so deep in something for two years, it's like, are people going to read this thing that I've poured all my, you know, right. But now that I'm hearing you say that, that makes me think. Some people might dear oh, God, I hope it so. It is it is really good. I, I actually have, am already like, oh my God, and then I'm gonna take it to my Stanford posse, our yeah. book club, uh, and then we're gonna do it in here. Like awesome. I gotta spread the word on this. So we will we will amplify it. Sister. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, the first thing we always do on this podcast mm-hmm. is we set the scene. Mm-hmm. You actually set the scene. So mm-hmm. where are you? What you doing? Mm-hmm. Set the scene mm-hmm. football one. Okay. Well, I'm in my CNN office. Um, would you like to know what I'm wearing, Julie Valdi? Yes. Um, a sweatshirt, oh, Aviator Nation. Um, no, I, I finished my show a little while ago, and I am less than a week away from my book launch, and I'm just really, really hoping people read this book. And as luck or timing would have it, I'm also like two weeks away from walking away from CNN, which has been a part of my family and my home for 13 yeah. years. So it's all happening at the oh, same time. Unintentionally. Crazy but... times for you. Yeah, man. It's you exciting, okay? but crazy and terrifying all together. Yeah. Well, we're here to huddle with you. Please, Lynn. Let's bring it. What do y'all want to know? 
Welcome to the author club. You must say it like that when you're an Thank author. Thank you. Very important author, author Brooke Baldwin <laughs> joining the conversation today. <laughs> your new book, as I was just telling you, is yeah. your first book is fantastic. It's uh, called The Huddle, How Women Unlock Their Collective Power. And you. we're going to start with the obvious. What was the inspiration behind the book? Um, gosh, a couple of things. Number one, I purposely picked this word huddle because it's a super, you know, masculine laced, uh, word that I wanted to flip on its head and have women own it. I want, it's a, it's a noun, it's an active verb. It's inspirational. And I think like looking back, I've, I've always, I had huddles in girlhood, you know, I played sports, I did various things. Um, and so had huddles and then ultimately jump into this male dominated profession, which is television news. And and, you know, leave Chapel Hill in 2001, jumping into, you know, my dream career of becoming a journalist and quickly realized that I am surrounded by a lot of men and the few women I did come across early on had very sharp elbows. <laughs> and so I was very lonely in my 20s and early 30s because I didn't have a huddle and then cut to, you know, coming to CNN when I was 29, 30 and ended up with this two hour show for a decade yeah, at dream 30, job situation. I was 31, 31 officially oh, when I, I think it was like one of the youngest ever CNN anchors. And, yeah. and I mean, I know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm sharing airwaves with Wolf Blitzer. Like I needed to do triple <laughs> the homework. I need to know my shit, you know? And, um, and so then, uh, basically the end of the story is I'm crisscrossing the country, you know, in 2015, 2016, covering this presidential election and realizing how many women are showing up, uh, who you just care about the issues in a way I'd never noticed before. And so then I'm at the Trump inauguration, like balancing on the back of this flatbed truck and embedded in the Trump motorcade, you know, as he's going to the white house for the first time, just as a woman covering him and knowing, what he had said about where he likes to grab women, I was very like, okay, what is what are the next four years gonna gonna mm -hmm. look like? And then the very next day, covering the women's march in Washington and being surrounded by half a million women and having this like Oprah aha moment of I'm in the middle of this huddle, but do I even have a huddle? And would I have, you know, a group of girls who would show up to wait in the porta potty lines and uh, stand up <laughs> for something that we really believed in? And that was kind of the unofficial beginning of my journey of just wanting to throw myself into um women in this country you know famous women extraordinary ordinary women and tell their stories and specifically the collective of women is where i was really interested well let's break down the concept of a huddle how yeah. would you define it um, a huddle is a place where women are energized by the mere fact of their coexistence. A huddle can be two women. It can be 2000 women. A huddle is a place where women go to succeed and thrive and get amazing shit done, but it can also be a quiet place where women just like, uh, bear witness for one another. Mm -hmm. And I also think our culture is sort of like, our culture likes to pit women against one another. And, you know, if there is a woman who is successful, she is prevailing over the patriarchy and she's like this lone woman hero. And no, like I did a bunch of research and traveled the country interviewing successful women and women are successful. Women are not outliers. They're huddlers. And it's because mm -hmm. they know how to unlock their collective power. Mm. And you give so many fantastic examples from from different fields, from sports, from the military, from politics, from business, yeah. from I mean, uh, they're everywhere. 
everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> we have about 900 takeaways, but in the interest of time, <laughs> we're going to try and whittle this down, which was Hit really me, hard. We've had a lot of discussions about this to our top three takeaways. Okay. Uh, and our first one is is the pretty obvious one, right? That huddles are the support system we all need. Yeah. In fact, it's it seems like it's in our DNA, to your point, yeah. right? We've been doing this for centuries as women. But the Houston 19, Ugh. aka Black Girl Magic oh, story blew so my good. mind. That one blew my mind. When you I, I literally kept going, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. how did I not know more about this? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay, so share their story. Okay, so I was dying to put them on my show when they won. So these 19 black women in a very red district in Harris County, Texas, uh, 2018 midterms, they're all running for these judge positions. They've all been lawyers for years and years and years. And they were telling me as lawyers, like how, how rare is it to go up in front of a black judge, let alone a black woman judge. And so there they are in Houston um, and they win their primaries and they didn't know one another. And they walk into this small-ish room and they start looking around and they're just like, oh my God gosh, all these black women are in this room who are, you know, going out for these judge positions. And right. so ultimately they huddle in the, in a campaign, even though the democratic party didn't want them to, Yes, they that didn't blew want my them mind to. Too. And so they're like, they're on the black church circuit. They're talking to, you know, they're, they're all over Houston coming together. And of course their huge thing is, you know, huddling for black women, especially. And as a white woman, I wanted to honor the legacy of black women huddling in this country, which is, they have told me, you know, predates slavery. Right. And, and so they end up winning all 19 of them win these judge positions and the huddling didn't stop then because then they, they, they take this viral photo, which then gets passed around before they win. And that then is how it, you know, caught my attention sitting from a national news perch and from that point like they huddle from the bench you know i talk to them to, to this day and they're like yeah no we'll text like sos come here now in the middle of a trial <laughs> so they will hit pause and text on their text chain to the other judges like tell me about this code um section blah 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 help me interpret this and they are literally changing the face of the justice system in harris county texas that part stuck out to me so much. Just imagining a judge being in the courtroom in the midst of whatever's going on yep. and texting someone else. And that might be one of the best illustrations of support. Yep. And, and asking for help, being willing exactly. to ask for help. Brooke, you're setting me up here because <laughs> I think that's a challenge. We're not good asking at it for well. help can yeah. Asking for help can be hard where you might feel embarrassed like you're being a burden. Yeah. And something that comes up quite a bit in your book is the idea of being vulnerable. Mm. What role does vulnerability have in a strong huddle? Oh my gosh, I think it's everything. I think, you know, uh, you have to, it, as, as huddle, huddling is a, it's, it's a mindset, it's a practice, but it's something you have to approach with vulnerability. And then the mission ultimately is to build a bigger table for, for women. You know, if you don't show up vulnerably, then what are you going to expect from the other women around you? Like in order to bring about change, whether you're huddling, you know, as an activist or on the pitch or um, on Capitol Hill, you have to come to the table, like strip away the BS. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm about. This is where I need help. Mm -hmm. This yeah. is where I'm weak. 
this is where, you know, let's, let's lean on one another to bring about this progress. Um, but I'm showing you my full self in that, mm -hmm. in that moment. Mm -hmm. Taking the mask off. Yeah. In, in your reaction to them telling that story to you where you said, wait, 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 time out. Do you really text come now? I did not believe like, him. I didn't believe you know. him. I didn't know you could do that. Like in the middle of a trial of a judge is sitting on the bench and she's like, pause. Time out. Do, 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 do. Text, text, text. But the yes. reasoning was made such sense to me because what she said in that moment was, yeah, because you can't go ask a guy right a question because no. what's the first thing that will come back is oc she's not qualified enough totally to totally so what? we're so you know, different men are women. allowed they don't know those answers either but they're allowed to ask the question i was like yes, yes. that is so true the importance of the huddle in terms of support for just that totally Totally. It's just, it's the willingness to ask for help. Even my own life, like sitting here at CNN, I, I think I know a few things about journalism, but I mean, my gosh, you should see my own phone and my own text with various other, you know, slightly older, more like veteran news journalists who I'm like, okay, but how should I do this? Or how should I phrase this script yeah. or, or approaching this interview this way? What would you recommend? Or what's been your experience or this person? I don't think this really went well. How do I need to, you know, fix this? You know, yeah. all of those things I ask for help all the time yeah have you always been like that or was that an evolution no oh, i think it's totally been an evolution as i've gotten older um as i've learned to lean on more women um as i've just gotten more comfortable in my own skin definitely but i was also not the not the girl who was like i know everything i'm the know-it-all no I'm, i've always been the curious girl who's asked a ton of questions mm -hmm. but i mean there has been a degree of like i know what's going on i don't need i don't need to ask you like i'm, I'm cool but like i'm totally not cool you know what i mean yeah. The, the other thing I found super interesting about this Houston 19, the black girl magic, as they call themselves, which the Democrats, again, the Democratic Party did not want themselves them to call them that. Right. They yeah. wanted it yeah. to say she's got magic and they thought right. they wanted to take the black out of it. Yeah. And, and because they didn't think it was going to win. But yeah, they knew that entire time. I mean, they the value win. of believing in yourself. They knew that entire time. Like, no, hell no, you've got this wrong. We're right here. Yep. And then stayed true to that. Yes. Which was amazing to me as well. I was like, damn. Yes. And not to, but there was another huddle. I, I talked to these, these five Congresswomen on Capitol Hill either came from CIA or, you know, yeah. military backgrounds. And they too were told by their party, don't huddle, don't campaign together. Hmm. And, you know, they were like, mm, we're going to, and they <laughs> went with what they believed would be most effective and sharing stories as women on various stages around their various States, instead of, you know, talking about all of the things that they have done in their resumes, you know, like a lot of the male candidates they said did, it was all about just putting, like showing up vulnerably, putting forth, you know, who they are, what they're all about, the issues that matter to them. And I think that that, you know, people are smart. And I think right now, especially like in a pan, just people want authenticity. Yeah. And I think people in a room can easily tell if, if you're not, you know, and, and empathy which is yes. what they talked about that now you have these black women who are judges who are Our sending mothers. less kids onto juvenile prison, right? Exactly. Yeah, they're moms. Exactly. Like they get it. There's empathy coming from the bench finally, which yes. Yes. we all could use a little more. Yes. Life, so, all right, we'll move on to takeaway number two, which takeaway is number two. One woman can lead to a movement. Mm. You wrote 
one person would speak into a seeming void only to find she was not alone. One single voice can set a movement in motion. And an example of this that truly exemplifies the power of one is Shannon Watts. Mm. who founded Moms Demand Action. Can you tell us Shannon's story? So Shannon, um, you know, after Newtown, she was obviously horrified by the mass murder of these first graders, as was the rest of the country, right? But she took to her Facebook page and all 75 of her Facebook followers, and she posted about it, 75. And she ultimately started what is now the largest grassroots huddle in the entire country with moms, moms demand action. And what's incredible about Shannon's story, not just in how obviously she went from 75 Facebook followers to creating this movement to passing, as she would say, you know, gun sense legislation in this country in the wake of all of these, these, these school shootings, she also um, has a friend named Lucy McBath, now Congresswoman Lucy McBath from Georgia, black woman, lost her son Jordan um, to essentially playing his music too loud in a car in a parking lot and was shot and killed. And she was aware of Shannon and her movement, but yet she felt that, you know, talk about being intersectional, which is so, so key in moving all of us forward is, you know, she said to Shannon, Hey, um, I think you need to also include in this movement, you know, this isn't just about like white people and white high schools and white victims. This is like across the board an issue. And we need to be, you know, overall more inclusive. And Shannon was like, yes, thank you. And so between Lucy and Shannon, you know, they really helm this mom's demand action, which is giant. And, um, you know, I've interviewed both of them a number of times, but to see how they just these, these, you know, starting with that one woman, Shannon, and how it's grown. I don't even know the latest numbers, but it's this giant group of women. And I've been to a lot of these, you know, various shootings around the country and I'll be standing at my CNN live shot area and I'll see the moms in the t-shirts, you know, who physically show up. Mm. It's just it's extraordinary the work that they've been able to do. Yeah. You talk about in the book as well, that the catalyst behind so many of these huddles is this single voice who basically hits a tipping point uh, and is like enough stands up, speaks out, finds that she's not in a void. She's not alone. Right. And becomes the catalyst to this movement, which I, I think as women and as i'm reflecting back on say the national team and some of the fights we've gone through right and i don't think i'm alone in this i think we as women we put up with far too much right we have way too much patience it takes a lot of shit for us to all of a sudden be like so true wait what am i doing here why am i putting up with this yes or it takes one voice or but it takes us too long sometimes without that voice to get to the point of no this isn't right and we can mobilize in in a way which is what i kept feeling when i was reading these stories Mm. like Yes, this one person with 75 followers is now mm-hmm. 6 million strong. 6 million. Yes, yes, uh, yes, yes. Over yes. and over. 
Because totally. it does. It takes us. Why does it take us so damn long as women sometimes? We're far too patient. I know. We're far too patient. We just have had to put up with so much. I mean, imagine just a woman of color, especially in this country, but like just as women in general, you just, I don't know. We, I, I mean, guilty, guilty, like putting yeah. up with far too much where it just, we, it hits the tipping point where you either explode or you, you create something special with that moment. Yeah. It, it kind of reminded me of two of you on air when you tell that story in the book of the, the shock jock or the, whose two priorities in life was, are two things he only. Yep. We, the man the... who shall not be named who we will call the boob. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The first amendment and boobs. Oh yeah. All he cared about boobs. was the first amendment and boobs. And you were like, wait, yeah. excuse me. Did you say boobs? Like how many yeah. times? I you... literally on live national I think television I was watching that live. spell the word because you know, we second guess ourselves as women. And I knew he was saying this word. I had a male producer in my ear essentially saying to me like move on Brooke he thought he said booze and then like a boss is calling the control room telling him to tell me to move on male what was the context again I'm trying to think back to this one it was around I think it was Jamel Jamel Hill Hill. and what the president at the Trump had said about her at the time and having we were going to have this conversation on air and it just like out of left field out of left field this guy comes on and starts talking about these two things. And I was just like, you know, you have those moments in life where you, and and when you're on live television, you have to think like, you know, on the, on the soccer field, like you just have to react very quickly. You can't overthink something in the moment. And I just knew what I heard, but even then I was second guessing myself Uh and I had to make, I was like, B double O B S. Like I had to nail it down. <laughs> and he was like, yes. And I was like, yes. See ya. Boobs. Well, See and ya. you have two men. That was part of the story. That was incredible. Not one, but two men telling you that telling you, you were wrong. On. I don't know if they were thinking there was no way this guy would come on TV and talk about boobs, let alone like with a woman host, but that's exactly what it was. And so they, and I just had to and finally just push back on that. Cause I just knew I knew what he was saying, you know, and I have learned, I've learned from that moment to go with your gut and speak the F up for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, Because (laughs) I I was thinking as I'm reading this, oh crap, that would have been so hard because I have my producer in my ear and his boss, which is my Mm -hmm. boss Mm -hmm. saying, Mm -hmm. move on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you stayed with it, Mm -hmm. which I commend you for. And then you basically said, uh, you're done and you cut him off cut his mic and then they they faded to black for him right yeah 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 then my phone blew up with all these people like did he really what (laughs) you know how did you feel in that moment I felt overwhelmed and confused and effing and effing furious all of the things I was feeling and just very conflicted very conflicted Mm. did your huddle show up for you then I, that was a time when it was sort of like pre real strong huddle. So, I mean, I had great singular women. So actually I take that back. Yes. I had a huddle at CNN and I remember that day it was a Friday afternoon when it all happened. And these three women came and plopped into my office and they were like, get Meredith on the phone. This woman, Meredith who runs CNN.com. And they were like, Brooke, you've got to write an opinion piece about what just happened. You know, I was so furious after that moment. Like that's when I really got mad and I came back to my office and I was like, I just want to go home and drink wine. <laughs> and, um, and, and instead I sat there for a couple more hours and wrote this opinion piece, how oh, like, wow. yes. And whatever year it was, you know, this is, 
still happening. It, it to this point about like taking too much and we as women take too much, we're far yeah. too patient. Yeah. Um, we had a joke back on the national team days uh, where I would turn to Mia Hamm in our uh, buffet line of wherever, you know, crappy hotel you're we staying yeah. at. Yeah. And I would say, how many years, how many years till I get my effing cheddar cheese? I just want cheddar cheese. Is that too much to ask for? Is it? Apparently, and because it was craft American slices all the time. It's <laughs> crappy craft <laughs> American slices, and uh, sorry, craft, but that's crappy. Yeah, and um, and so I would and I would say to the GM or whoever our manager was, like, can we Please, just get, can I get my cheddar? Can cheese? I just get cheddar cheese? Is it that much to ask? Did so they ever? Became, no, never, you never got, got, got cheddar, cheddar cheese. cheese. How many years? So that became my every time we get in the line, I'd be like, How many years? How many years, Mia? But what I was saying was, how many years till you take it seriously? How many years till you start telling people who we are? How many years till you start taking us, you know, as just an afterthought? So do we think they're getting cheddar cheese now? Do you think you paved the way for the cheddar cheese? I, I feel good about the fact that they are definitely getting cheddar cheese yes! now. Yes! They're getting Gouda. They're getting mm. free. They're getting so fancy. Oh, See, look what you did. I know. Look what you did that for them. And, and real chocolate chip cookies. That's all I really cared about. Mm. I didn't care about what else was on the table. Um, I know you're a big deal, but it's Julie just Fally. these like it's 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 being an afterthought. And finally, yes. like oh, so in that moment yes. where he was like, no, cut his damn mic. I'm yeah, done with see this. Ya. I was like, oh hell yes, you are, Brooke. Go. Thank you, sister. Thank you, sister. I mean, to this day, like Mia and I will go, I, I don't even have to say anything. I'll just be like, how many years? How many years? <laughs> start laughing. Um, third takeaway is something that's near and dear to me yeah. because uh, you in the book call it sponsorship. I call it mm. turning and pulling, right? And it's not mm. just women making strides, but it's women making strides and then turning or dropping the ladder as Megan Rapinoe called it, yep. dropping the ladder yep. to help other women up. Yep. And this idea of sponsorship, what was your favorite example or story or huddle that involved that idea of sponsorship? Man, there were several. And I am, I love Megan's phrase of drop, like throwing down mm -hmm. your ladders. I use that now all the time. And even when I announced I was leaving CNN and a bunch of the younger anchors and correspondents reached out to me and I essentially was saying the same to them. Like, don't forget, you know, your star is rising, but make sure you always keep that door behind mm -hmm. you open. Um, I would say as far as sponsorship, I just am obsessed with Ava DuVernay. Uh -huh. Ava DuVernay is a unicorn in that, you know, she, she is a black woman in Hollywood, successful black filmmaker, director, she uh, directs the show called Queen Sugar on uh, Oprah Winfrey Network. And so I went out there actually as part of my American Woman series and I included it in the book because it was something that has so stayed with me. And I always remind her, you know, this line she said to me, which is so Queen Sugar um, is a show shot in New Orleans, but you know, every single episode, thanks to Ava and presumably also Oprah is directed by a woman. And many times it's a woman of color. And the issue in Hollywood is because it's very male and very white, um, is, you know, for a woman or a woman of color trying to get an opportunity just to get that one shot of directing a show, 
they don't often have the things they're the, the thing, the traditional, you know, male structure things on their resumes to be able to have those opportunities. And Ava is sponsoring them and giving all of these women, these opportunities, which is basically opening this giant pipeline of women directors in Hollywood. And I remember saying to her, just playing like, you know, um, contrarian saying, well, why don't you want all the fame? Like, why don't you direct all the episodes? Like, why are you sharing? Why are you sharing the love? And I'll never forget. She was like, Brooke, I don't want to be at the party alone. <laughs> I don't want to be at the party alone. And that to me is the line of the throwing down the ladders, the sharing the wealth, um, you know, and, and, and she just exemplifies, she just exemplifies being a sponsor. A sponsor is, is, a, is a, a woman or someone who has major access to power, who just wants to help other women just catapult them right. into their own power. And, and that story, she doesn't want to be at the party was literal, right? She was literal. actually at she's, a Hollywood party. She's at all these, she's at a Hollywood party surrounded by white men. And she literally doesn't want to be at the party alone. Yeah, she's like, I looked around <laughs> and I was like, where are all the women exactly. and the women of color? Exactly. Come on. Yes. Well, and it helps. Exactly. The other thing that's part of that is it helps that her boss is for the Oprah network is of course. Yeah. Oprah Winfrey, who was yeah. like, hell yes, bring those women along. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. And I would also, if I may shout out people like you and Abby Wambach, who, you know, talking to these younger players now on the U S women's national team and hearing them say like Sam, you specifically mentioned you as uh-huh. someone who wanted to make sure you leave the team better than you find it. And that is in these women's minds today, you know, whether it's making sure the cheddar cheese is at the buffet (laughs) or that they have like, I don't know, showering facilities (laughs) after they play a game on site, you know? So, you know, you, you embody a sponsor. That warms my heart. Cause when I see them fighting for equal pay and all that they're fighting for and what they stand up for and speak up for, I'm like, Oh, it's very maternal. It's like, it's come full circle. We've handed that baton yep. on well, and we've, we've yes. done something, right? Yes. Well, yes. Bravo. Part of the amazing thing, though, is that the fight is still going on. Oh, yeah. That it's oh yeah decades later. And even though maybe there is cheddar cheese, there isn't the yeah. money. Corporate sponsorships, mm-hmm. marketing opportunities. Yeah, like more or less level p- playing field. You know, like one of the one of the women literally said, you know, we don't have showering facilities sometimes, like in terms of traveling or having on site, like things that you would think these women would have, like the no duh sort of thing. They don't. And the same went true for the WNBA. You know, I talked to Neko Gumake and Sue Bird, and they were talking to me about very similar things. And they were fresh off of renegotiating their their CBA. Um, So at least there is like a little bit of money to go towards some of these Mm -hmm. women if they want to freeze their eggs, for example. Like Sue did that with her own money because she had to. Or you know, getting money, making sure you're being paid on maternity leave. Or if you are a mother and, you know, pre this CBA, you would have to crash in a, in a hotel room with another player, with your kid, which, which, you know, the NBA wives and mothers would have more rights than the players themselves. Like what? Or if you're part of the NCAA March Madness women's bubble, you get two dumbbells and one yoga mat. Hey, there you go. That video, good on her, good on her for sharing that with everyone. All of a sudden it was like, oh, oh, okay. Let's get you, let's get you gal some weights. Crazy. To this day, I'm like, are you kidding me right now? 
Ugh. Brooke, with your American Woman series, something you did when it comes to sponsorship is you had a predominantly female crew. Yeah, Which I think is so cool because what people might not know is that's tough to come by. Yep, yep. Did it yep, impact I the had... content too? Oh, for sure, for sure. And by the way, I was just lucky and honestly, like shout out to CNN for, you know, putting this group of rascals together. I mean, it was all women, but this one man, I mean, I had a woman, uh, <laughs> photographer, uh, woman editor, um, woman producer, women, women producers. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, being on the road with these women, a lot of them were younger than me too. So it just gave me this, like, they just, it was just, they, they brought this energy that, you know, is a little older and more seasoned and older person, like really appreciated. Um, but the way certainly like, it's kind of like the women writers room in Hollywood where, you know, if you're all just a bunch of women together, you don't have to worry about like, okay, if I say this thing this way, is it going to hurt his feelings? But I want the shot this way, or I want mm -hmm. the edit here. Or if I say it this way, like, if, am I going to sound like a jerk? What, like, I'm already exhausted, you know? And, and when you're just surrounded by uh, a bunch of women, it's like, let's just do the job. Mm -hmm. Let's just yeah. do the job. I was, uh, and I, if I've told the story on the pod, um, I apologize to our dope village. Cause I, I can't remember shit nowadays, but, uh, but when I was Speaking at ESPN for women's <laughs> world cup, uh, so I guess summer of 2019 and we were on set and we were going to go live on sports center. And yeah. next to me was a female host of sports center. Yeah. And in front of me were two camera people, both women, right. Which mm. you, you rarely see, as you rarely. know, you yep. know, on the floor in studio, two it's awesome. women in my ear, a woman director, a woman producer. And I said, <gasps> time out, time out before we go live. I was like, women host women camera what do you call it? camera women camera yeah. women I yeah. said director producer and then I get this little voice also and I'm doing graphics and I'm a woman too <laughs> in the back in my ear I was like oh we did like a little jig all of us oh. on set and I was like yes. oh my god it's changing slowly oh, but surely it's so great that's so great it never happens that never uh, happens that's a magical moment that you got to be part of I know and I wish I had taken a picture yeah, that's a magical Catch moment. It. American woman was a magical moment to me. And I sit here in my office with my just giant American woman poster over my shoulder because not just because of the experience for me, but because, you know, I got told no. This poster reminds me of being told no, I can't do this and me me finding my way to yes. So yeah. let's hear that story. Well, I came back from the women's march and I banged on my uh boss's doors, all of whom are men. And listen, I understand at the, the time it was the beginning of the Trump administration and, you know, news was flying fast and furious. And so we just literally, I guess, didn't have time on my two hour show to do it. Um, and so I, you know, I was told no, and I was like gutted because I really felt like something was happening with women in this country. Like I was just following my journalistic nose. And then ultimately I banged on the door of the head of CNN.com and I got him to say yes. And the rest is history. Love it. Would you say that your huddle philosophy started to take shape throughout that series? 
it definitely started. I felt like I was a sponge and and I was just, it's almost like you write about or you, or you cover the people that you most admire that perhaps, you know, they have attributes that you wish you embodied. And so I think that I was so amazed by their power and, and, and w- with American women, they were singular women. I didn't really approach anything with the huddle lens until maybe season two, actually. And I talked to a number of black women who were running for office in Alabama. And that was actually the f- the first unofficial huddle looking back that I interviewed. And so that's what I really wanted to be able to do with this book is, is look at the, like the female collective and the power in leaning on one another to just get amazing shit done. That That's what Lynn and I both said, just doing a lot of reflecting about, oh, okay, what is my huddle? Right. Mm. Do you all have, it, do you all have huddles? I have it, to, yeah. 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 You sure. said you have a bunch of yeah teammates most teammates but beyond teammates like you mentioned a stanford yeah my, my huddles are always sports related right it's been teammates so my stanford mm-hmm. posse my national team posse my green machine mm-hmm. soccerettes posse my club team uh to now it's like moms i work out with that i sweat with it's, yeah but i started thinking about like how much am i investing in them to your point, right? Mm, like how much time am I making enough time? Right. Cause you get busy with life and kids and everything. Yep. And, and sometimes yep. you don't. And I'm like, oh, I got to start investing more time in my huddles. Sometimes in my, te- my huddle text chain, I have a couple of huddles too, but I'm not, now I do, but in one of my, the, my main huddle text chain, I feel like if we go an entire day and nobody texts, I'm like calling the like huddle SOS, like, <laughs> like just to do a quick check-in. How's everyone doing? What's going on? You know, just just want to know you have to, you have to bring that intentionality to it and like nurture a huddle. Like you nurture your marriage or your career. Mm -hmm. Your book for sure made me think about my own huddles. And I would say, unlike Julie, I don't necessarily have these big groups of women from teams or things like that. I almost would say I have kind of a board of directors where I have individual friends who might not know it know each other or they know each other through me that I call on for certain things, but I can't say I have a big group of women. So that's kind of how I was up until the journey that became this book. I had a board of directors, great singular women. They knew each other only because of Mm -hmm. me and I did not get them all together in a, I didn't get all of my ladies together in a room until I was 38 and it was just magical. And that's when I was just like, Brooke, what the hell took you so long? And why did you need a freaking wedding to, 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 to do this, to have this excuse. And so I made myself a promise from that day on that I would figure out ways to bring these women together. And then specifically of that group of, I don't know, eight or nine or 10 of us, you know, four of us have remained really tight. One of whom was my closest, closest best friend, but I just decided I really wanted to share her. You know, sometimes I'm like, you're, you're my best friend, but (laughs) I wanted to share her with these two other women who we went to high school with and over the course of time. And I think over the course of interviewing all these various huddles and writing this book and being very mindful about it, I put them all together and we just, this text chain started and then this whole just group thing grew out of it. And there is, there is strength in having numbers I've found versus just having those singular people. And that's what I write about in the book, that process. Did they know each other before your they, wedding? 
yes, definitely. Like one of the other girls graduated high school with us, but she went on her own way and they hadn't seen each other in like 20 years, but we all reconnected at like a 20 year high school reunion. I helped bring some, some of these women together. And then one of the other girls graduated from our high school a year above, but she was also doing her own thing, loosely connected one of these other women. So we were sort of like loosely connected. We had this common bond, which was Atlanta and this high school, but you know, it wasn't until 20 plus years later that we all formed this huddle. And now we're just like thick as thieves. And our, our, our huddle text chain is about everything from like, are we too old to wear jean shorts to, you know, to like, yes, like debatable, um, to, to, you know, the election and the racial reckoning in this country to depression and mental, mental health issues, um, just everything, everything. Have you ever had a moment on the text thread of come now? I need you like the judges. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. I ha- don't always have the gift of like, we're not all in the same city, but for sure. I mean, I remember the first time I, I was like, I'm calling a huddle when I, you know, love my husband very much, but I was having like husband situations and <laughs> no. needed, needed my ladies to calm me down. S-O-S. <laughs> S-O-S. <laughs> and that's really where part of it started. So for someone who's listening right now who might not have a huddle and yes. after reading your book, I am thinking about well, how do I start bringing these yeah. individual friends together? What are your top tips? Stand by as I open my book I, and I read you. I love how you do this at the end of your book I, too. I just felt like, you know, the whole book tells the story of what a huddle is and all yeah. these various inspiring stories of huddles. And I thought as a reader, whether you have a huddle or not, I'm thinking like, all right, we need a huddle handbook or a, a how to huddle. And so that's what yeah. I want to offer up people. So I won't and, read all of this. And you're not always in a situation where you're around women who want to Totally, huddle, totally. Right? And also, by the way, we've been in a pandemic and I address yeah. that in the book too about mm-hmm. we can't always huddle IRL as the kids say, you know, so it's how to get creative virtually, which has been something that I know I have had to, had to learn. And so for example, like I give these 10 tips at the end of the book, and then I use a lot of the women in the book is to back up the, the, the tips with a lot of quotes, but I'll just read you a couple of them. Like believe in yourself. You deserve to have a huddle. There are huddles out there that, that need you back to our word intentional earlier, make an intentional Mm -hmm. choice to be a huddler, be deliberate about prioritizing your huddles, whether this is, you know, Mm -hmm. colleagues you have lunch with or an organization you, you volunteer with, or your personal friends, um, find a huddle that shares your passions. Even if you feel alone, you are not, there are others out there who care about the same things, even if online, um, <laughs> fuck sharp elbows is a tip I have in here. <laughs> yeah. I like that one. <laughs> we live in a patriarchal society. There are only a few seats at the table for women. We're vastly underrepresented, but this is about like, you know, how we build our own damn table and like throw down our ladders to our, to our points earlier. So anyway, there, there are 10 big tips at the end of the book. Cause I want people to walk away with like feeling armed with knowledge and, you know, how to activate a huddle. You should have had in there as one of your top 10. What did I miss? Have a pillow that <gasps> says BSD on it. I would show the pillow oh, that is normally on. sitting on the sofa, but it is actually sadly packed up in a box because I'm leaving in oh, two weeks. Oh no, you should have left that for the last thing. I, I mean, uh, I love me some Dana Bash, but after uh, that story, I was like, oh She yes, rocks, man, she rocks. I mean, I've had this pillow in my office for years. She has the exact same pillow in her office in Washington and people kind of walk in and it's amazing how it's like, 
hiding in plain sight and how people don't really look at her. Maybe they look at it and they're like, is that her initials? Like what's, what's going on there? Yeah, no, we read the book and you'll find out what BSD stands for and how we are <laughs> and very let's much. let's just say it is not big stinking deal. Although it, it I is thought not. that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I love that pillow. Massive deal. Oh yeah. I am not going to even say, cause it's so good. It's so good. Um, all right, Brooke. Yes. We have a tradition on our podcast to end yes. our podcast um, with a segment we call high, low cheer. This is something I do around the dinner table with my cute little monsters Yes, uh, and family, and they give their high of the day, low of the day cheer is for mm. someone who's done something great, uh, nice in their day. But for you, I would like your high, low cheer of writing this great book. Honestly, I'm going to say my high, I would, Julie Foudy, let me shout you out because oh, I started it. stalking you. Yes. <laughs> I looked in my, I looked in my phone to figure out when we first connected. It was April. It was two years ago. And yeah. I stalked you. Thank you, Chris Brennan, um, sports reporter. And she oh, gave me, me your contact. Christine, Brennan. I, I Christine Brennan rocks. And yes. she brought me to you and uh, you, my dear from the very beginning helped connect me to some of these precious, important women in this book who I would have mm -hmm. never had access to had it not been for you. So we over email huddled and I am so, so grateful to you. And then running into you at the women's sports foundation and your mm -hmm. giant, just enthusiasm and energy. I just, just thank you. So well, you when are Lynn, my, you when are Lynn said, how do you know Brooke from? And I said, well, when she reached out to me, true story, yep. when I was yep. telling her about your book, uh, I said, when she reached out to me and told me what she was writing about, I am like, mm. a huddle about women, women huddling. Yes. Mm. What can I do? I'm here you for you. I'm so in on all of this. So thank um, you. I'm just, you are, so you are my high. It's, it's, it's happening for you. So yeah. oh, thank this is a full circle really moment nice. actually right now. Oh my gosh. Goosebumps. Really nice. So then I would say hello being realizing that I have held space with some of these extraordinary women and realizing that, uh, in order to hold space with them, I need to be as brave as humanly possible. And part of that is painful because part of that entails me leaving behind this home and this family that is CNN mm. and, and sitting here in this office with boxes, it's, it's been emotional for me. It, it's going to be emotional for a while, but I don't totally know what I'm doing next, but I know that I just feel compelled to continue to dive and in, dive into the deep end of storytelling and, and whether it's, you know, well-known women, extraordinary, ordinary women, Americans, like I just, I feel called in some way to follow that passion and that dream. And it's time for me to recalibrate my dream. But that also is like, it's, it's kind of like a high low. Um, what, then, what gave you the courage to take that leap? Cause that's hard and scary. It is hard. If I look in my journal, it's something that I've contemplated for a little while, but never quite had the gumption. Um, I don't know. It was, it was a combination of maybe like having COVID and then being off the air a bit around elections. And I just, and meeting all these women for this book, I just feel it's hard to put into words, but I just know that I have to go and I have to, 
hopefully do, you know, even bigger things in a different way. Um, like this, having this platform and this voice has been extraordinary. I mean, I, I, my dad once upon a time was like, Brooke, when you get really comfortable somewhere, like it's time to move on. Mm. And I think it's time for me to get uncomfortable again, whatever, what, wherever that may be. And then my cheer is for my book collaborator, Casey Dumont. You know, she was my partner on this journey. And I, I talk about her massively in the acknowledgements of this book. Um, but just meeting her, you know, another cold email. Um, she lives in Chicago, but just as someone who has been my ride or die, my my partner in this mm -hmm. journey, who's helped me, you know, I, I've never written a book before. And I think a lot of times people don't want to well, like I had help, but you know, I, ha I'm saying it, you know, I, I had, I had help. She helped me with the research. She was at so many of these interviews and I just am so grateful to her. She's now become one of my closest friends and, um, yeah, she's, she rocks. She's part of your new huddle. She is. I am so damn proud of you for pulling you. this off and doing Thank this. Thank you. Uh, there is a quote that we all love, Madeline Albright, right? Mm -hmm. There's a special place in hell for women who yeah. don't help women. Yeah. But I think this book just gave me my new favorite quote. It's Shannon Baldwin, one of the Houston 19 judges. Yep. You say it at the end. And she says, we don't live in each other's shadows. We thrive in each other's sunshine. Oh, so and you are spreading good. that sunshine, sister, Thank through you. this book. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can feel y'all's enthusiasm. It means the world to me. I just, I just want to have women in this country. I want this word to be added to all of our lexicon. You know, I want, I want to be sitting at dinner and hear some girls or some, some women behind me, you know, talking about their huddle. Like that's when I will know I'm done here. You can take me now. Like I'm done. Brooke, I feel completely confident that my friend is going to happen. I love using it. I've used it since we recorded. I'm all in with huddle. Mm. Yeah, you will find yourself constantly thinking about your huddle and how you can strengthen your huddle and what new huddles do you need to start and what's happening with this huddle. It's crazy. Okay, takeaways, Len. You want me to go first? You got it. Go for it. All right, my takeaway is, and, and this is one that I talked a little bit about, but you have to, and we as women sometimes don't do a great job at this. And, uh, and I put myself straight into that category is trust your instinct. Hmm. Even when the experts don't think that you can do something, and there are examples in this book are tremendous. You smile, you, you say, uh-huh. And you're like, uh, yeah, flip them the middle finger if you need to, but you're going to say, I don't care what you think, yes, I am going to do this. Because when you show up and you're vulnerable and you're authentically you, good things happen when you speak up. Oh. Mm. Trust your instinct. My instinct is telling me that I hear birds chirping in the background. <laughs> Full disclosure, I'm at Zion National Park. So yes, there are birds here. It's quite lovely. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It's better than Swaggy sometimes. Oh, Swaggy, I'm sorry. Did I say that? You're not here. I missed you, Swaggy. Swaggy has become a member of this whole <laughs> experience that is Laughter Permitted 2020 into 2021. Swaggy needs a caller. Dope Village oh, rocks. Yes. All right. My takeaway, I started thinking about our huddle you and me mm -hmm. and how we do things. And 
through this interview experience, I have a new layer when it comes to asking for help where Mm -hmm. prior to recording, I had some work deadlines that were converging. I didn't have as much time to prepare for this interview as I would have liked. You know, that's not a space I like to be in. And I would say I was trying Mm -hmm. my best under the circumstances I expressed to you that I was tired. I was running on fumes. You knew all of that. And I'd asked for Mm -hmm. a little bit of help, but in playing back Mm -hmm. the tape, what I can see now is that I could have been very specific with you as to what I needed prior to this interview, Mm -hmm. where I could have said, Jules, this is where I'm at. This is how I need Mm -hmm. you to help me. And just bring it back Mm -hmm. to that huddle idea of then that gives you the opportunity in my huddle to rise to the occasion and be there for me. Yeah. And I love that you do that so often in life, which is something I am terrible at in, in terms of stopping and rewinding the tape and going, okay, how could I have done that better? Like, mm-hmm. you're really good, which is something you've taught me about, okay, let's think about how we can do this better, whether it's efficiency, mm-hmm. whether it's communication, whether it's being more honest about this moment. Um, mm. So in you doing that, I'm growing too. I'm learning. Oh, thanks, Jules. We're having a moment. A moment. We're having a huddle moment. Thank you, Brooke. <laughs> this leads us into questions permitted. What do we got? Casey Schroeder recently tagged us both in a Twitter post. And it said, Mm. I'm no pastry expert, but I think a gas station in Nebraska just escalated (laughs) the cinnamon roll versus donut battle. Along with that tweet was a picture of a pastry labeled fried cinnamon bun. (laughs) I know, I loved it. So my question based off of this is thoughts? I squealed. I think I typed that to her in the tweet because that is essentially the heart of my argument with this debate is that I get that there are some cinnamon rolls that are tray baked, even though I don't watch the Great British freaking Bake Off. But there are some that are mm-hmm. fried and those that are fried, which is a variation of a cinnamon roll, becomes henceforth, therefore, Ever forward, a donut. Drop the mic. Case closed. I just need a donut shop owner to verify that for me because I feel like I'm really close to being right there. I think we need a huddle on this. And hey, you can learn all about those in Brooke's book. And I tell you, it will make you appreciate your huddles so much. Like, I, I am so grateful for the huddles in my life. Including you, Dope Village. You guys are one of our favorite huddles uh, and so proud to be part of this huddle with you all. So go get your own huddle on. Go hunt your huddle, Colleen Hacker would say. Thank you as well to our sponsors, Ally Bank and Dick Sporting Goods. Thanks to our friend, Kate Diaz. Yes. For our theme song. And remember, as always, kids, sing it with us. Laughter permitted. I need to know my shit. Baseball's back, and so are your favorite teams and players. Catch the best of the bigs all season on ESPN Plus with over 170 live MLB games featuring every star and every team in the league. Sign up now at ESPNPlus.com baseball. Hey there, Dope Village. I wanted to remind you about the best NFL podcast around, The Mina Kimes Show. 
featuring Lenny. Every week, the brilliant Mina Kimes tackles the biggest NFL topics with precise analysis and, of course, signature wit. You can find the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny, that's her dog, by the way, wherever you get your podcasts. Check it out.